We all complain that Christmas is very commercial. Are we ready for the coming of Christ? There are so many beautiful things in Advent. Do we really know them? If you want to make the most of Advent and Christmas, this program is for you. Welcome to Salve Maria, the podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel, and we are in the third week of Advent, and I have the joy to be here with Father Arthur and with Brother Justin. Salve Maria, both of you. Salve Maria. And today, the topic, as we said before, uh, I mean, amidst many other topics, is the real meaning of Advent. Because I don't know if it happens to you, no, but everybody complains that Christmas is commercial, that Christmas has lost its meaning, that Christmas is somehow, you know, hijacked and everything else. But in reality, the problem perhaps is that we're not using all the benefits the church gives us in the time of Advent. And Advent is so essential to put that place us in the mood of how it is the right um, you know, the, the frame of mind when it comes to Christmas. No? So I think the program today, we were talking off the microphone, off, you know, and, and we were saying, well, we need to explain well, we need to talk about the importance of facing Advent as what it really is and what it really means. So, Absolutely. I think Advent is a perfect introduction to Christmas. Christmas is a, it's an incredible uh, event in the life of the church that actually happened 2,000 years ago, but, but didn't finish. So Advent helped us to understand what is coming, who is coming, when he is coming. Has he come already or he's still coming? And it is a little bit confusing for some people because they think that Christmas is just a celebration of something that happened 2,000 years ago and it's finished and we're just remembering something that happened. But not just remembering. This is much more. This is, uh, this and is the enormous. church leaves us so many clues in the liturgy that you know, most of the time people don't pay attention. One of these is, is the wreath we have here, right? I mean, you have four candles, different colors, different meanings. So maybe we start by, by the meaning of the wreath? Yes. How's that? I don't know. Yeah, um, <clears throat> the wreath is something... Um, we talk so much about enculturation within a liturgical or religious elements. Um, the wreath is, is something that comes from Northern Europe. Um, it's evergreen, again, symbolizes faith. It's circular, which is an infinite element. It doesn't have a beginning, doesn't have an end. Um, has the four candles. Um, three of them symbolize the uh, penitential nature of Advent. Right, not in the same mode as that of Lent, but it's still a penitential season. But it has something, this glimmer of hope, this glimmer of of uh, joy among amidst the um, sufferings and the penances of of the penitential season of Advent. But we have uh, the uh, rose candle, and that rose candle shines bright, giving us joy and hope as we reach the finality of what our period of penance is over. So it's really important to have that uh, very clear. Do you know, even the, the color rose is already symbolic and it's a, it's a mixture. Rose is a mixture of white and purple. White means innocence and purple means 
sacrifice, repentance. So we are, we are sinners and we are repenting of our sins, then we recover our innocence and our color is rose. Because we're a mixture of, we have recovered our innocence, but we, we come from sin. So we, we are rose. And each week of Advent has a main theme. This is very interesting that the church has taken four main themes preparing Advent. And the first one is the waking up. The first week in Advent is uh, our Lord Jesus Christ calling us to wake up. We are in the night. In the night of what? In the night of sin. We don't realize what is going on. We are kind of asleep. But somebody is coming. And the sun, when does the sun come? At night. So it's not because it's night that the sun is not going to come. It's the other way around. It is because it is night that the sun is going to come. So we have to wake up. The second Sunday is St. John the Baptist who tells us to repent. Repent and believe the good news because the good news is coming. It's not, once again, it's not something that the good news has come and that's it. No, no, no. It is coming. It's a big news coming. Then the third Sunday, it represents that we have to be happy because something very good is going to happen to us. Our Lord Jesus Christ who loves us, he's preparing something wonderful to us. He is coming for us. And then the fourth um, candle, the fourth Sunday, is, the, um, is who is coming really? Who is him? Who is that infant Jesus, that, uh, that baby that came from a virgin, born from a virgin? <laughs> so really, what, what, a, what a starting point, no? He's the only human person in history that he's, he was born from a virgin. Nobody else, only yeah. Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's bringing something new. He's bringing something unthinkable. He's bringing something, yeah, uh, good tidings. And it's so fundamental also that it's, I mean, the priest lights the candles in the beginning of the Mass, of each Mass of Advent, and it has to happen exactly. in the beginning, no? And it's not exactly. just a cute thing, you know, they choose, I don't know, little children or a nice family. It's in the beginning of the liturgy because he has to place us in the proper frame of mind. No? And it's a light. Why? Because it's the light who's coming. So each Sunday you have one more light that is uh, turned on. You know, everything has a meaning. And you know, that the fact that there are four, it represents the north, south, east, and west. Because the one who is coming, he's the king of everything. <laughs> from east to west and from north to south. Very scriptural, no? No, it's fundamental. And, and also something very important too, no? Is the, the topic of light, no? You have children of light, children of darkness, no? Exactly. And John talks about that. And it, in reality, Christmas is no? it's about light. You know, they come in the light to the world. No? It's one, the same light which is in the Genesis in the beginning when... Uh, when uh, we, uh, we read that uh, God has created light. It means that he, um, uh, the world, when it was created, it was in darkness and it was in confusion. It was in disorder. It's very interesting Saint to, to the, Paul the talks, beginning of, of talks Genesis. talks about this also in the, in the Catholic letters mm -hmm. about all of nature groaning, waiting for its salvation. Mm -hmm. And th why? Because the effects of sin, 
the darkness of sin and how sin darkens not just the intellect of man, but it darkens um, the very nature itself. So the whole history of mankind is God putting his creation in order, starting by us, yeah. starting by, by human beings, that he's going to create us uh, and he's going to put us in order. He's going to redeem us and make us absolutely beautiful. And the final point is that we are really going to be like gods hmm. because we are going to be perfect as my whole uh, heavenly Father is perfect, which is, you know, <laughs> it's like being like God. It's amazing. So in the beginning, we were talking about the right frame of mind for Christmas and so on. So it's fundamental to have Advent as a time of renewal, no? But yes. a time of Absolutely. real renewal. Absolutely. I mean, just, just, just a note. I don't know if you see the background. We have the curtains actually ironed after three programs. Yes. No? And that's also a time of <laughs> renewal, I think. No? <laughs> Finally, it has happened. You know? <laughs> so to, give, to, to give the audience a clue that you know, <laughs> even, even the studio is being renewed. No? They're getting ready for Christmas. Eh? Getting ready for Christmas. <laughs> but, okay, so we talk about different comings. No? And so one part of the program today is too about the, how many comings are there, Father? <laughs> because we always hear, okay, the first coming is Christmas. The second coming or the last coming, which would be the end of the world, or am I mistaken? Exactly. Can we, can we? Well, you know that theologically speaking, it's a very, very complicated issue because actually, um, God is coming to His creation. God is constantly coming to His creation, and if we take the Book of Revelation and we go to the last, last, last verses of the Book of Revelation, which is the, the last. Uh, a book of the uh, of the Bible, the end of the it, world. I mean. It's amazing because we're going to see what is the theme, the theme of the uh, of the uh, the end of the book of Revelation. The Holy Spirit, you know, through the um, through, through the um, the hand of Saint John, writes here: the Spirit and the Bride. Who is the Spirit? The Holy Spirit, God, hmm? and the Bride is the Church. Hmm? What do they say? Come. So. You know, the end of, of the Bible speaks about a coming. <laughs> and let everyone who hears say, come. So everybody has to say, come. So we are still waiting for something, even at the end of history. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift say, come. The, uh, the one who testifies to these things says, surely, I am coming soon. Mm -hmm. So in a certain sense, God hasn't come. It's incredible. But this was written after the, uh, uh, the birth and, and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he continues saying, Amen. So it means, yes, be it. You know, it has to be. Come. Who? Lord Jesus. So Jesus is going to come again. Mm -hmm. The grace... Of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. And this is the end of the Bible. So the finishes the, like that. Exactly. Ends like that. It gives the, the meaning of the whole Bible is that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will come to each one who is called saint. And, and he's saints going to come. mean friends of God. Exactly. Not just canonized, but friends no. of God. And if you're in a state of grace. You're a saint, and that's why St. Paul will refer to members of his churches as the saints in the church of Corinth or 
uh, Colosseum or what have you. And that's very important for us to remember. We're all called to be saints. And if we're living that Mm -hmm. desire, we are saints here on earth. So the first coming, first coming then is Christmas. It's actually the birth of Jesus. And somehow, well, like the very first um, uh, Advent uh, liturgy, it says it's a time of visitation. You know, time of uh, the time in which we are visited by Jesus, and He comes. He really comes, but He already announces His coming in many, many ways in the Old Testament. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the the main uh, ways that He announces that He's coming, obviously, is in the desert. His people are suffering. His people have no food, no water. They are uh, going out from slavery to the Promised Land but they haven't reached there yet. So he comes uh, symbolically in the way of the manna. Manna, you know, it was a word that that meant, uh, what is this? Because they didn't know what it was. Every morning the manna will will come down. During during 40 years, they were eating manna. And uh, so the... um, of course, it represents the coming of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ to feed and to save his people. They, will be, they were being saved from hungry, from all the, the difficulties of the, of the, uh, the desert, and uh, they, they will have food without working. They don't need to work. <laughs> they need to do anything, you know. They couldn't, too. I mean, the Sinai area is just so inhospitable. It's just unbelievably... Uh, and so many thousands of people, you know, unless God took care of them. Basically. Exactly. Impossible. But then also he's represented by the lamb, mm? Mm. by, by the, uh, the lamb that, um, that uh, appears, you know, in the famous uh, event that happened with Abraham uh, when he was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. So um, he, he sends a lamb. To replace the human person. So Alam is going to, to be sacrificed instead of uh, but us. What, th- what's interesting in that, in that little story is that Abraham is certain that there will be a replacement. He has faith in God. And what is replaced is not a lamb. It's a ram. And that's yeah. why echoed throughout the, the liturgy of the Passover is that God will provide a lamb. So the calling of the Lamb of God was constantly through the Passover ceremonies, that echoing of a lamb, because they recognized, the chosen people recognized that the ram that was used was not the right one. There was going to be another one who was going to be that sacrifice. Beautiful. It's amazing. And that famous saying of St. John the Baptist, now this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It must have been breathtaking, you know, all of a sudden him saying that and the apostles in a scene, it's him. Wow. But imagine yeah. that moment of grace and everything else. But the followers of John didn't follow, didn't follow Jesus. A few did, yes. A few only, yeah. But the, one of the largest thorns in the side of Jesus afterwards are the disciples of John. They join up with the Pharisees, the very enemies of John. They become friends with them against Jesus. And we ended exactly. up being one of the first heresies, no? Because yes. he was saying, you know, I mean, the, the, the Gospel of St. John actually goes and says, um, it starts the way it starts, because it says, he's not him, he's not it. No? It's only interesting, anyway. It's amazing that we're talking about John, because actually 
I think that the the, uh, the, the person who really uh, embodies Advent is St. John the Baptist. St. John the Baptist is Mr. Advent oh, from sure. the Old Testament because he's the one really who, his whole life was an Advent. He is really uh, the, uh, the Advent figure and it is the greatest of all the prophets of the Old Testament. One of the reasons is because he's finally the one who is able to say who is the Messiah. The others were just describing the Messiah, giving many uh, aspects of, uh, of him and beautiful things about him, etc. But no one was able to point him out with his finger. Our Lord only begins his public life properly after the death of John the Baptist. Right? And that's a key element. Exactly. So we're talking about the manna, we're talking about the lamb, how this f basically foresees the first coming. And then our Lord actually comes. But then curiously, no, it's part also of the program to say, well, but then he goes and not only he comes, but remains with us in the Eucharist. No? So the, the institution of the Eucharist, in a sense, Father, can we call this the, the institution of the Eucharist the second coming then? Or, or is something that is the second coming is more reserved for the end of times? Well, the, um, the final coming, let's say, you have the first coming, which is really, of course, the, the incarnation. Uh, uh, the, the first coming happens in, happens in Mary. The first? Mary, the first coming. Mary is the scenario where the first coming takes place. This indicates already that Mary will have a role in all the comings of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that without Mary, our Lord Jesus Christ is not really coming. Because if he decided to come through Mary, in Mary, there must be a reason. This, this was not just something that, uh, that happened uh, occasionally. That, this was planned by our Lord Jesus Christ. Mary has a tremendous um, uh, role in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So she is Lady Advent also. Because the gospel could just start, and Jesus appeared, and that's it. No, it could, it could 30 have. years old, of appears course. in the middle of, of the, of the chosen God. people, and exactly. starts. No, but no, it's not that. No, he, he, uh, he wanted to come uh, uh, through, uh, through Mary and to take his humanity from her. And actually, we think, you know, this is very, very interesting because... The whole humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ comes from one person, not from two. Mm -hmm. From one person. So actually the body of Christ is the body of Mary. Is the body of Mary transformed in, uh, by, a, by a, a wonderful uh, transformation or um, hypothetical union, etc., with, uh, with God that, that we don't know exactly how it happened because it's, in, it's a mystery how... Uh, the human nature uh, was united with the divine nature. The two different things. How come? In the in the only person also in history that, that has two natures. Nobody else has two natures. Only our Lord Jesus Christ. So this happened in Mary. This is the first really coming. Now really he came. He arrived. He became one of us. He became from invisible. He became visible for the for for humans. He became, he came in his suffering condition. He came uh, in his, 
in, in uh, accepting all the weaknesses, all the, uh, the fragility of uh, a nature that was not his. He had a divine and perfect nature, and he assumes a nature that can die, that can suffer. And in this, in this sense, he accepts to be less than God the Father. Because God the Father, by the fact that he was not human, he was more than God the Son. <laughs> because God the Son has something inferior that God the Father didn't have. <laughs> so he becomes inferior in order to obey the Father and to be able to do his will and to accept uh, to be uh, obedient to the Father. So for the first time, you know, the second person of Holy Trinity obeys because uh, he was God. He didn't need to obey anyone. He was God himself. But now he's God and man. And as, as man, he, he can obey. He can uh, do the will of somebody else. So, so uh, it's absolutely um, amazing. Now, that's the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we have obviously another coming which is very clear, which was announced in, in, in the Bible in many, many parts. That's the, his coming at the end of the world. He is going to come as the Son of Man, meaning that um, he is going to be a human, but he is not going to come alone. He comes with the whole of humanity. So he, on the first coming, he came back on his own, just alone. At the end of the world, he will come with all the angels and with all the saints. He will come as a triumphant king and not as a suffering servant as he came in, the, in, the, in his first coming. He's, he's going to come and it will not be necessary to explain who is coming. In the first coming, he needed to have people who will say who he was to such an extent that even he asked his disciples, what do people say about myself and what right. do you say? Exactly. So do, do you really understand that I am the one who came? So at the end, of, at the end uh, in his third coming, no. He will come in all his glory, his majesty, uh, his power, and uh, his sovereignty, as it is says uh, you know, here in, in, in the scriptures. So that will be a, a wonderful coming that, um, that, of course, we don't know exactly all the details, where is going to take place. We, um, we know that the last judgment According to the book of Joel, the last judgment will take place in the, um, in the valley of Josaphat, which is next to Jerusalem. But um, there are many, many circumstances that of, the, of the final coming of our Lord Jesus Christ that, that we don't know. But one of the most beautiful expectations, I think, and this is something that no sense in the, in the right direction of what Advent should be, is that the, 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 the fathers of the church tell us that the early Christians, they would actually, okay, First of all, Sunday was never, at that time, especially the times of persecution, times of no beginning, was not a holiday, right? It was not a day you wouldn't work. So what happens? They narrate that the first Christians, what they would do, they would start the Saturday vigil and they would spend the whole night in prayer. Because for them, the second coming no, was going to happen during Mass on a Sunday. No, that, that, that was the, the popular belief at the time. No? It was going to happen, it was going to happen on a Sunday, it was going to happen during Mass. So they, they spent the whole night 
praying in preparation for the moment of the Mass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's really beautiful is that they had all the expectations. So they would say, he's going to come either in the Eucharist <laughs> during the Mass or actually in his glorious coming, as Father was saying, at the end of times. So they had that expectation. And how beautiful it would be, you know, that all, all our Catholic way of being, our Catholic culture, you know, every Sunday will be actually in that expectation. You know, because Advent is expectation. And if we have that, how different our spiritual life would of be. Of course, you know? of course, of course. Completely different. So for that, actually, you need a, another coming. Because um, for people to understand... Uh, who is our Lord Jesus Christ and what does he want from us, we need something that will enlighten, you know, we need, we need more candles in our, not, not, not in, in, in the world, but in our mind, more in candles. our soul. <laughs> more light. Some, we need somebody to light the candles in our soul for us to understand who is coming. And this is why it's, it's so sad to see Christmas, you know, Completely uh, poor. But if we, if we get carried away by the shopping uh, fever, it's our fault. Exactly. Because we, in the end of the story, we're just letting the world carry us away. No, I don't know. Something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it, we, we have been suffering a tremendous process of emptiness. The, somebody has been emptying everything, you know, from our faith. And very especially, you know, for the big events of our faith, which are uh, Christmas and Easter. So uh, we need to, uh, to get out of that darkness, to wake up uh, from, uh, um, from this night of faith in which we, we are, and to understand the, the realities that, um, that are, are happening and they are going to happen. So the, um, the light that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is bringing, of course, comes in the Eucharist. Of course, we can say that the uh, the other coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is when He comes in the Eucharist. When we at Mass receive the Eucharist, it is Christmas for us. It is our our, our private Christmas. It can be any time during the year. Every time that Jesus comes to uh, to us, in the same way that He came to the world, He comes to us. So it is our Christmas. So actually, you know we. <laughs> Uh, as Brother Gustavo was saying, we should all actually prepare, you know, for Mass um, and have a kind of a Advent expectation of the fact that we are going to, to Mass and if we have the conditions, we are going to receive communion, we are going to have our Christmas. We need to have a, our Advent, you know, our private Advent every time the, that we go to Mass. But I would say that uh, the this second uh, coming or this this in between coming let's say between the first coming and the uh, uh, the last coming of, of of Christ this in between coming is not only the eucharist it's much more okay that's interesting <laughs> it's much much more because actually um jesus comes to us in many ways and he can come to us in this podcast in the sense that we can have an, a light that is being uh, turned on in our heart because of things that we are bringing together in this uh, occasion. And Jesus comes to us and he brings something to us that is new, that it prepares us for the great coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Of course, then we have our private judgment. That is also coming. When Jesus comes, I mean, we go to Jesus, so he can come to us. We, we don't know exactly. <laughs> None of us has died, so we cannot tell the story. But um, we know that we're going to meet him in our private lives. When? At the end of time, or our time, at the end of our, our life. How is this going to be? We don't know. But actually, if we consider that this is our great meeting with with, uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ, or death, then our life has to be an advent. Our life has to be a big advent from beginning to end from baptism to prepare ourselves for this, uh, this coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to our life. Wonderful. So let's go to a brief pause now uh, um, for, for some advertising, for some you know, moments of some really good news about what's happening in the world of the heralds uh, regarding people, how they're coming. And let's go to the second part. In the second segment, we have a question, which is, okay, what are the seven O antiphones and why they are so important for the times of Advent? So just two seconds and we'll be back. So welcome to the second segment, this second segment of questions and answers. You must have realized that we started the program, and, and even now we have a little bit of that beautiful music, which is the uh, one of the seven O antiphones, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And so this is the moment in which we are going to comment what is the origin of these antiphones and why they are so important for... Um, the time of Advent, and how much they can contribute to help us realize and understand and prepare our soul for the coming of Jesus in Christmas. Wonderful. Th this uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel um, embodies the seven O antiphones that are extremely old in, in the uh, history of, of the Church, and we, we would like to, to read them because it's extremely important that you know uh, the, uh, the message of each antiphon. And the antiphons are part of this uh, beautiful Advent song. It's the Advent song by, by excellence, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Who started this, Father, by the way? Or, or Brother Justin? <laughs> okay, um, well, I mean, the, we don't know for certain. Right, it's okay. kind of lost in the annals of history and yeah. in the mists of time. Um, but what it does is it gives us a really haunting um, biblical image of creation, of redemption, and the restoration in Christ. It's sort of the attempt of the church through liturgy from the 17th to the 24th to get us really certain that we are ready for um, for Christmas. Exactly. Okay. Um, they make sure that we understand that the Messiah is going to be understood as who he is. And that's a real problem that we have in our world today. The seven O's used to be part of the liturgy of Mass. And today mm. they're found much more um, within the liturgy of the hours. They're used as an antiphon of Magnificat. Exactly. But they are... Um, a little bit lost in the liturgy as such. They're a little bit lost, and they're more on weekdays. So not a lot of people go to daily mm -hmm. Mass, so they miss out this opportunity to really have this enrichment. So 
I was going to read the um, the antiphons. Yeah, are there specific days or, or how, yes. how how is it? Oh yes. So, um, I'm this is something maybe a, a nice practice for our for our audience now to to. So to I'm going to go through the words for um, Okoyo Emmanuel first. Yes, it, it 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 goes from the 17th of December to the 23rd, seven oh. days, and each day has a different antiphon. It's so important that each day, you know. Uh, has a, uh, an antiphon that is um, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit for the introduction of the Magnificat at, uh, at Vespers. So it starts on the 17th, and obviously 17th plus 7 is the 24th. Okay, so, so, but the hymn in which we're all familiar with these uh, terms is O Come, Come, Emmanuel, right? And what one of the problems, and this is what the commentator said, is that the richness of the Latin text it doesn't allow for a true translation into English. Mm -hmm. So they try their best to fit it in a poetic fashion, but it's poor. It's not easy. It's not easy. So it's a poor thing. So the, the old antiphons are introduced, are, are part of the, uh, of, the, of the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Hmm? Mm -hmm. So we'll start here with December 17th. Okay. O wisdom... Of our God Most High, guiding creation with power and love, come to teach us the path of knowledge. So this is one of the titles of Lord Jesus Christ. He's wisdom. the wisdom. Incarnate wisdom. Exactly. The Montfort says too. No? All these titles are taken from Isaiah. Hmm? They are yes. taken from Isaiah. So the, all these antiphons are based and taken from Isaiah. So the first title of our Lord Jesus Christ... On the, um, on the on the on December 17th, is we call him O Sapiencia, O Wisdom. You are the wisdom of everything. On the 18th, we have O Leader of the House of Israel, Giver of the Law to Moses on Sinai. Come to rescue us with your mighty power. I think it's interesting here is that you're echoing back to the Sion moment, to the Sinai Peninsula, to that moment of the uh, manna, mm -hmm. you're calling back to go forward. It's again that the memorial concept of the Hebrews. You're moving back to make the past future and in that sense truly living that r moment in history. And you know, in the Latin version, they use the, uh, the Hebrew expression, O Adonai, hmm? which means Lord, Adonai. So, of course, in English, they, 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 uh, they put it, O leader of the house of Israel, but actually it's, O oh, Adonai. What a difference. Oh, yes, O Adonai. Translations. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, wow, it's so, so different. Valuable. But also, Adonai was a term that was used, Second Temple Judaism. At that point, they no longer used Yahweh. So yeah. when they talked yeah. about it, it was it was God they were talking yeah. about. It's very clear: the Lord is God, and that was synonymous. But also, it's so interesting, yeah. no? Because it becomes extremely clear when you look back. You have the figure of our Lord always present, and the wisdom is always also the 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 God that leads the people. And again, no, is, our Lord is always present, and yet. And yet nobody realized that he's so present, right? It's only looking in hindsight that becomes everything, no, everything, everything becomes very, very clear. Terrible, no? He's visible and invisible in that sense also, no? He's visible for the good people who want to see him, 
But for those who don't love him, he's invisible. They don't see he's him. He's hidden in plain, plain sight. <laughs> plain sight. December 19th. A root of Jesse's stem. Sign of God's love for all his people. Come to save us without delay. Beautiful. It's, in Latin, it's oradix. Huh? It's, it's a root. No? So he, he is the, the root from where everything comes. Everything that is good comes from him. He's the root of everything that we do has his origin, his genesis on our Lord Jesus Christ, that we do good. And the Davidic element within the Old Testament is the messianic promise. There's no separating those two points. Exactly. And it's such, such, a, such a root, as you say. You know, imagine the world without the sacraments. Mm. No? <laughs> it would be a totally impossible in the sense of you know, salvation without the sacraments. And this is the real meaning of the coming of our Lord. No, we mm. can't say that, oh, no, no, I'm a spiritual person, but I actually, you know, I just can't, you know, I, I just have my own beliefs and everything else without the church. I don't go to church, but Sin. I believe in God. Wow. Spiritual, so, but not religious. But then, you know, you're basically denying the importance of the sacraments. So in okay. the end of the story, how spiritual can you be? But what is spiritual? Because, you know, it. you leave the sacraments aside. So, wow. You're uh, cutting yourself from the roots, hmm? from, from, from the radics. Hmm? December 20th. O key of David, opening the gates of God's eternal kingdom. Come and free the prisoners of darkness. Beautiful, huh? So he has the key of heaven, but he also has the key of uh, those who are suffering to take them out in order to bring them to heaven. He has the, he has the key to take people out from sin and bring them to, uh, to paradise. Huh? I think also the, the idea uh, of freeing the prisoners of darkness mm -hmm. is very much the question of faith. When we are darkened by a lack mm -hmm. of faith or darkened by a, the cloud of despair, which is very common in our world today, it's that light of, of hope, of, of faith that is going to bring us towards what we're called to, our heavenly home. Beautiful. December 21st. A radiant dawn, splendor of eternal light, sun of justice. Come and shine on those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death. Beautiful, no? He, he's the dawn of justice. No? He's the dawn of light. He's the, the beginning no? of, of a new day. And it's again, no, that ever-present topic, which is this, the, the struggle between light and darkness. Uh, darkness of sin, dawn of light. And it's an ever-present topic that in, the, in reality is the most basic and fundamental understanding of the coming of the real Messiah. And, and we must remember that darkness it cannot defeat light because darkness is an absence of light. So it's, it's not that it can, it's any way equal or any, any way... Um, able to compete but it's when it's not there and that's done by free choice of bad decisions what have you so the whole advent is unbelievable in that sense no i mean we have seven days of preparation for the imminent coming of, of, of christmas really if we just get carried away by shopping the church gives us that's this a lot of darkness exactly. opportunity you know a lot of darkness <laughs> this is the hardcore of advent the yes. seven days you know 
illuminated by the seven o antiphons it's a, it's a real thing of advent the church is a mother she's giving mm-hmm. us the opportunity to focus a little bit better right absolutely mm-hmm. I, if you miss this you you, you didn't really did the uh, <laughs> advent didn't you know <laughs> didn't do advent <laughs> december 22nd o king of all nations and keystone of the church Come, save man, whom you form from dust. Come, save man. You may say the whole question of Genesis is a contest of the image of God. God makes man in his own image. Male and female, he makes them. Lucifer, in his pride, in his envy, in his jealousy, tries to steal that image. And through the incarnation, the image of God is restored to its rightful owner. Beautiful. And he becomes a king. Now he's the king. He's not just, you know, wisdom and this and this and that, but now he's king. But also underlining the point, what is man? And that's a phrase from, uh, from the Psalms. What is man, lost man, that God would become one of us? And that question is great. Absolutely. What are we? A pile of dust. Right? We're proud of our pile of dust, but that's what we are. <laughs> December 23rd. O Emmanuel, our King and giver of law, come to save us, Lord our God. This is the final O. He's Emmanuel. God among us. God with us. This is the, 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 his greatest title. He's God himself. What's interesting is that these O's have been around so long, right? So we go to the 6th century, 6th century, in lost, you know, barbarian France. Mm. And we have Boethius, famous Boethius in his Constellation of Philosophy. And in it, he writes on his deathbed, being prepared to be executed for a crime he didn't commit, we have a phrase in the mouth of Lady Philosophy. He is the highest good, she said, that rules all things mightily and delightfully arranges them. And this is attributed to the O's. She's quoting the O's. So this is a way of fortifying his faith in this very difficult moment. So these seven days are not just meant to be passing. They fundamentally formed the Christian person of the early church. And unfortunately, in the later time that we're living, we've forgotten. We've forgotten. Exactly. That's a very interesting moment. No, I mean, the, the, the finality of this podcast is somehow to share, you know, these important conversations that in the end of the story, you know, are, are very common in our everyday life, you know, in the heralds. And it's good to invite everybody to participate in that sense. Because, you know, if we are going to help people, to, to, to save themselves. So we're going to do apostolate, as, as we say, and even with our families and so on. These are topics we need to talk about. Absolutely. Definitely. This is a treasure that is there, and if you don't see it, you, you, you miss everything. And I think, lastly, the one last point that's really interesting in, in the whole style of these mm-hmm. O's is that each one of the O's makes up an acrostic poem. Mm-hmm. which means tomorrow I will be there. So to, at the end of it, I'm coming. Who's coming? Emmanuel, God with us. And that's very clear. And that was clear to the early church 
as it should be for us. The question I think for us is to ask is that, is Christmas Emmanuel God with me? Am I with God or am I with some other imposter? Exactly. And this, I think it happened by, by coincidence. I don't think the one who composed the, um, the, the, the seven O antiphons realized that uh, putting them together and taking the first letter of each one, which is you know, Sapiensia, Adonai, Radix, Jesse, Clavis, Oriens, Rex, Emmanuel, will form a word which is Erocras. Erocras, which means tomorrow I will come. <laughs> so even, even this a little, you know, a little uh, uh, indication that the Holy Spirit uh, put there, you know, to say, look, this is, this is me who did it. So we're very happy in this podcast to share with our audience this tremendous treasure the church has, eh? because we need, we need this for, for the times of darkness in which you know, we are. So with this, we arrive to the third uh, segment of the program. is the suggestion of uh, that, that, that we can give to our um, our audience who would like to start. Brother Justin, do you have anything I'll to start. recommend? Um, it's uh, an old classic of sorts. Many people already have it in their homes. They've already heard of it. Um, but, you know, we've got a few weeks, you know, a week and a half until Christmas. We've got time. And I would recommend the reading of the Nativity of Our Lord uh, through the Revelations to um, Anne Catholic Emmerich. And it gives a different flavor. It gives a little um, a different view on the Christmas story. And it helps us actually make it more real. And it puts us in a place where we're really celebrating the, the Christmas, which is Christ's Mass, where Christ, Christ is present and not just some uh, material uh, day of sorts, another Black Friday of sorts. An American philosopher, uh, Peter uh, Krift, he mentions that Isaiah is the Shakespeare of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and actually... <laughs> <laughs> wow. It, it, yes, it's, uh, well, it's a compliment for, for, uh, for Shakespeare, of course. Yes. Huh? <laughs> And um, the, um, so I would recommend to read chapter 40, 40 of Isaiah. Wonderful. That's a recommendation for meditations. Okay. And if it is my turn, I would like to recommend to the audience, uh, it's a collection of CDs, actually, of music uh, that you can download. And it's called The Most Beautiful Christmas Carols. And it's, a, it's an anthology of Christmas carols by the Heralds of the Gospel. So if you would like to check, they are in the notes of the program, you're going to find the, the link where you can go and download them. And uh, remember that uh, it is also a way to support the podcast of the heralds and actually talking about that topic if you go i think there is an option uh, there in the in the here in the youtube channel when you can say it's a super thanks so you can you know sustain the program you can help us to get better equipment you can support uh, the, the, the podcast so that we can reach many other people we can advertise it here and there okay? and that is also highly appreciated for all those who are listening to us and with this, Father, I think you could give us a beautiful blessing. What do you, uh, unless we have something else? Let's uh, imagine ourselves, you know, in, with the Holy Family that um, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ has already uh, born and, um, and there's a wonderful atmosphere and uh, He gives us a blessing. So we'll, we'll ask, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ to give us that blessing. 
The Lord be with you. And with, and your, with your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Thank you. <laughs>